With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. It has been a very tumultuous week, I guess you could say. And um, we have a lot to talk about and a lot of things to cover. So I think we should just get straight to it. Let me introduce, as always, my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing? Hello, Corey. We, um, we usually don't record this late on a Sunday night, but hence we are doing it tonight. It's called Sporty After Dark, as I as I, I hashtagged it on Twitter. I have my cold brew here, so I have some energy here late at night on a Sunday. And here, the reason why we're recording so late is stupid fucking daylight savings time. It can go fuck itself. Yes, I was on the soda pod earlier today, and um, it was a, initially I thought I was going to be able to do it after we were supposed to shoot, but it ended up being during when we were supposed to shoot and so i try to fit it in before and this is a giant joke in the fact that like in arizona we don't change this for us shit was all the same you know got up did all the same stuff i mean given the football games were an hour later today so that was like something that we noticed but we never actually changed our clocks or did any of that crap so i hate when we have to change things, when we're one of the people that don't change our time. It's ridiculous. It is the dumbest thing in the world. We should either, we should pick either we should be Pacific time or mountain time. And then we should switch our clocks accordingly instead of, of just staying the same, which is granted a lot easier because you don't have to change your clocks. And, but it's ridiculous when it comes to, everything else it's really stupid and dumb i don't think a lot of people like it i don't even know how it started but alas that's why it's sporty after dark tonight yeah i i don't know it's funny because everyone always gets like all mad that we get like our own time or like because it says like arizona time on things you have to select that one but i'm just like hey we're the ones that don't do anything we don't change anything we're the ones that aren't creating problems so I don't understand why other people need to create a problem. I I I wholeheartedly agree with that. But let's dive right in. It's been a busy, busy week for the Coyotes and Coyotes news. And it came down in a hurry after we dropped our episode last Monday where we we had some Coyotes news in there, but not a whole heck of a lot. And then this week, everything kind of hit the fan for the Coyotes as – their fourth-round draft pick, Mitchell Miller, is no longer part of the organization. He is also no longer part of the college team that had given him a scholarship as the University of 
of North Dakota, dropped them from dropped him from their program, and it all began on Monday when a story dropped from the Arizona Republic, which is a bombshell story, where Craig Harris and Jose Romero talked to the family of Isaiah Meyer Crothers and Isaiah Meyer Crothers, who was the victim of the horrific um, racist and and terrible acts of bullying and and I don't even know how to describe it other than other than basically almost like a like a it's a it was it was almost hate crime. It was a hate crime. Yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it. Thank you. Yeah. And we went over the the nuts and bolts of what exactly happened on our previous show, but what changed for me, Corey, is when you read what Isaiah had to say and what Joni Meyer Crothers, the mother of Isaiah, had to say about this in this Arizona Republic story, that's what changed the game. Because it's pretty clear when you hear from Isaiah and when you hear from Joni that Mitchell Miller had not one ins- like one ounce of remorse for what he did. And... I'm going to read one quote from him here, which is in the lead from the Arizona Republic story. And then I'm going to let you continue from there. Isaiah Meyer Crowther said this, quote, He pretended to be my friend and made me do things I didn't want to do. In junior high, I got beat up by him. Everyone thinks he's so cool that he gets to the NHL. But I don't see how someone can be cool when you pick on someone and bully someone your entire life. So this just wasn't one incident. And when you read this story... The Coyotes made the 100% correct choice in getting rid of Mitchell Miller from the organization. And because it, it just, when you read these quotes, Corey, it really does hit home that how, how much Mitchell Miller really shouldn't be given a chance at the NHL level. Yeah, it's, so it was very interesting because um, this didn't really blow up until until this past Monday. And it was when that article came out that you're talking about, but it has been written about uh, in the Slido Blade in 2016. And then Craig Morgan talked about it on the 8th after um, he was drafted. We talked about it on that following Monday after he was drafted. We talked about um, all of that a little bit and um, both really said that if it was up to us, we wouldn't have drafted him. We couldn't have morally, like we thought there had to be something that the Coyotes knew that we didn't know. Um, that's not the case. There's a, It actually ended up being worse than any of us knew. But um, it is really interesting that this didn't come out, didn't become like such a, a thing that everyone was talking about and concerned about until this article came out. And I think a lot of it has to do with what you're saying that, um, you know, that this had actual quotes in it and everything else. But the thing that really stood out to me is the fact that I had said in the last podcast, maybe if it was an isolated incident, you knew that he was very sorry and that he was trying to grow from it and they wanted to use um, this as a way to, he wanted to use this as a way to show people like how not to act and stuff like that. But when you read through all of this, it was not an isolated incident. He had been calling him really terrible racist things. He was calling him Brownie. He was calling him the N-word. And he was also um, attacking a kid. He was physically beating him. 
who at the time was physically 14, but according to his mom, had the mental capacity of a 10-year-old. So he, this 14-year-old kid was physically beating a kid who had the mental capacity of a 10-year-old. That alone, like, it, it doesn't even matter if he wasn't, you know, a, a different skin tone than him, and it wouldn't matter even if he didn't have the... Um, the restrictions I, I always get very particular on that because I don't ever really like to think that you know that they're disabled or anything like that because they should have the opportunity to have the exact same life me and you had that you know that's not something that they have a choice over so um I always get very sensitive on how I talk about that but the fact even if those weren't factors this still would be a really screwed up incident like the fact that they put a push pop into a urinal and made him essentially eat it. And then he had to go and get STD tests. Um, that's extremely traumatizing for someone. And to go through all of that and then to see someone essentially get rewarded for such bad behavior is insane. And I don't blame them at all for being frustrated by this and being really irritated by this because it's really terrible when you look at all of the facts. And it's funny because there's people that are saying, you know, oh, well, he's 14, doesn't he deserve a second chance? Like, if this was, again, this wasn't an isolated incident. There's, he's been given more than one chance and the fact that he could have changed his attitude through any of this. And even when he got caught and it was on video, that was finally the point where he had to pay something. It was only 25 hours of community service and he had to write a letter to the family. He did not apologize to them outside of that. Um, in Craig Morgan's article, he had said that, you know, he talked to some lawyers and they said that maybe he was trying to follow it to a T um, of what the court ordered him. But, he, you know, the, the other guy burst out in tears in apologizing to the family, whereas he did not do that. The only time he acknowledged any of it was when he was about to get drafted, when he had, um, you know, something to gain out of it. And then, so to say that, you know, this shouldn't haunt him is just so untrue. It's like what I always come back with, with um, freedom of speech situations. Like people are like, oh, well, everyone has freedom of speech. And I'm like, that's true, but you don't have freedom of the consequences of your speech. He may have served his time under the law, but that does not mean he is free from the consequences of his actions for being a shitty person. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree. And there are so many different storylines that spread out from this particular incident. And we'll touch on some during the show here, you know, and uh, one being how did Mitchell Miller wind up on the back on the Coyotes draft board after he was off of it um, back in June under the John Chica regime, Bill Armstrong had a, gr and a very fascinating quote, which we'll get to in a few minutes too, about basically there being this kind of void there. And maybe that was a reasoning for the re why Mitchell Miller was drafted by the Coyotes. But I, I want to read some more quotes here from this Arizona Republic article, because I think it's very, very important to read them and it helps you understand why 
why it was important for the Coyotes to, to get rid of him. And this is again from the Republic article. Meyer Crothers, who was deve- developmentally four years behind his peers, said he was sick to his stomach when he saw on his phone that Miller had been drafted. He texted his parents, writing, Did you see this? It hurt my heart, to be honest, Meyer Crothers said. It's stupid that they didn't go back and look what happened in the past, but I can't do anything about it. And I think that's the very, very unfortunate thing about this is there, like you said, like if there was, if he was remorseful about it and, and he clearly had turned a corner and learned from the mistake and had talked to the the family and clearly had grown up, then maybe that's one thing and you can move on from that. And because people make dumb mistakes when they're kids, but when you do this for such a long period of time, like Mitchell did, it's just, it's, it's unforgivable in my opinion. And the unfortunate thing here is that according to our friend Kat Silverman, she tweeted out earlier today that Mitchell Miller is apparently headed to the KHL of all things, which doesn't surprise me one bit. And that kind of brings me to, our poll question that you put out, Corey, which I think is a fascinating one, and let me read it for a second because I thought th- I thought about this too, which is the Coyotes had an out here in that Mitchell Miller was a fourth round pick, right? But what if he was a first round pick? What if he had the talent of 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 your like Alexi Lafreniere? What if he was gonna be the first overall pick in this twenty twenty draft? what things have changed because we see it all across sports when somebody has a background that is very, very questionable and they have done things that are in many cases illegal. They're still playing. And a couple of examples off the top of my head. The first one is Tyreek Hill. He beat his girlfriend in college. Okay. That's on the record. We know this and he's still scoring touchdowns for the Kansas city chiefs. And people have his jersey. They cheer for every time he scores a touchdown, even though he's done that in the past. And every time he touches the ball and scores touchdowns, I can tell you, it it like hurts just a, a little bit. And I think of Adrian Peterson, who is has been known to beat his kids. He's still in the NFL scoring touchdowns. I don't even know where he's playing. He's in Detroit now. But if you're good and you're a Hall of Fame talent like Tyreek Hill and Adrian Peterson, you get a pass for these things. And in the case of Mitchell Miller, he's not good enough to really have that excuse. And I wonder if he was at first overall pick if things would have been differently. But let me read the poll that you put out earlier, Corey, which is, does the culture in sports allow for talent to supersede character and shameful actions by players? Yes, no, or other and it's a runaway right now. 95% say yes. And I agree with that. Well, I think it's because everyone knows of a situation where this was allowed. You know, there's certain things like, um, I mean, even my um, fantasy football name one time was Mike Vick in a box because of, you know, of what he did. So I I think everyone knows of a situation and, it, and they have, um, it's not like it's an uncommon thing to see. In this situation, I still feel like he got drafted because of the fact that he had a decent amount of talent. Like, he was supposed to go in the 70s somewhere, and he ended up going, 
111 to the Coyotes. And let's all not be naive here and think that he wasn't going to be picked up by someone else if he was to have fallen later. The to Yes, the Coyotes shouldn't have pulled, picked him up in the first place, but to act like the Coyotes are this only team that are immoral and that how could they do this and da 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 is such bullshit because you know a team, there are some teams that were like, there was no way we were taking him because they weren't going to take that PR risk. But there were other teams that would have taken him because of the fact that they could have taken um, a higher talent way later because of this situation. And that's how they would have looked at it from a business standpoint. I couldn't have ever morally drafted him knowing what he did, not even knowing the extra stuff we know now, knowing the initial stuff that Richie and I originally reported on, just the isolated incident, I couldn't do it. But... I can guarantee you there's plenty of other teams that would have still tried to do it later. And that's, and that could be one of the things that happened here is, you know, he wasn't on because we had heard that he wasn't even on their board back in June. So it could be that he fell far enough back that they thought, you know, after reading the letter that he sent out to each team and everything that he would this could be a good opportunity for a redemption story and that this kid is technically better talent than where he's being selected. So we're going to select him because it might be a way for us to make up some space since we didn't get any, um, any picks in the first three rounds. So, you know, they, that's what they may have been saying in that room, like, okay, we'll do this. It, it, he might, he is rough around the edges, but he's technically a higher pick talent wise. So it's worth it. And it's totally a negatively funded mindset in the sense of it's not considering who he is as a person. And I don't think people should ever, you know, just think of an asset as just an asset and never consider who they are as a person. Even from a standpoint of bringing a player in, you're still bringing someone that you know to be a toxic person, a racist person, into your locker room. And that should never be something that you want to condone and something that you want to have enter into your locker room in the first place. But I still think a little bit of what happened here is his talent and that they let his talent supersede the what had happened and who he might be personally. And um, after reading their press release that came out, I'm, I'm pretty certain they just didn't look into him enough. And I think that's something too that needs to be spoken here is the fact that, um, you know, this is something that NHL teams can learn from all the way across the board because of the fact that there is not a single team that called Isaiah's mother. Not a single team called her to ask about any of this. And I think that's a big deal in the fact that no one went that far into it. So anything that they would be, if they took the risk of picking him up, they really didn't know the full story. And the Coyotes here didn't know the full story. Everyone loves to joke about the fact that, you know, he that was their first pick of the draft because they lost picks because of, um, you know, overscouting people. And so they're going, oh, well, they overscout, but they didn't know about this kid. They were going through a lot 
of changes in um, staff at the time. I mean, the only people that, the, so the people that were running that draft was Ryan Jankowski. He was actually brought in by Armstrong. He's the associate director of amateur scouting. But the other two were AGM Sullivan and um, special assistant to the AGM, uh, Scott, Walk Scott Walker. And Armstrong Plandowski, who's a director of amateur scouting, and Accord, who's the special assistant to the GM and director of goalie ops, they weren't allowed to be in there because of contract situations. So you only have one new guy coming in and trying to be a part of this. And then you have two guys from the Chica era, which really makes you wonder about the Chica era and how toxic that was. But that's a whole nother story. And you have to think, where through all of this did they end up making this decision? It can't be something that they did very thoroughly because of the fact that they didn't even really have the time together to be able to figure that out. That's my biggest question from this entire thing. Because like you mentioned there, according to Craig Morgan and other sources, he was off the Coyotes draft board before Armstrong was hired. And at some point, he got put back on and somebody made the choice to draft him. Now, like you said, we do know that Ryan Jankowski was the guy that was essentially running the draft for the Coyotes this year with Bill Armstrong obviously unavailable, like you said. And he, like you said, he is brand new, basically. He was a week onto the job, more or less, when the draft was going down. But according to Craig Morgan here, he says that Mitchell Miller was not on the Blues draft board, where Bill Armstrong came from, or the Sabres draft board, which is where Ryan Jankowski came from. And so, we may, like Craig says here in this piece, like we may never know what exactly happened here. But, Corey, you were the one that pointed out to me Bill Armstrong's quote, and you put this out on Twitter, I believe, on, on our Twitter account, too. And it, I think it really speaks to kind of some clear miscommunication going on behind the scenes of the with the Coyote scouting department. And I think we know for a fact that under the John Chica era, their scouting department was very bare bones, right? That's not something that is a shocker and something that Bill Armstrong has said he wants to make better. And it's something he's done a good job of, which is completely revamping the entire Coyote scouting department. But this is what Bill Armstrong said in the Coyote's press release after Mitchell Miller was let go. He said, quote, it was a unique situation for me not being able to participate in this year's draft. And we were going through a transition with our scouting department. Mitchell is a good hockey player, but we need to do the right thing as an organization and not just as a hockey team. I'd like to apologize to Isaiah and the Meyer Crothers family for everything they have dealt with in the past few months. I wish them all the best in the future. And you were the one who pointed out to me that Armstrong, that quote in there, we were going through a transition with our scouting department. He seems to be throwing somebody under the bus here. We don't know who it is at this point, and I wonder if we'll ever find out who it is. I hope we do, and I hope that person is probably is gone from your organization. Like if you're not, it's clear that they somebody screwed up here, and I hope we find out who it is. Well, and that's the thing is the Coyotes are doing an internal investigation on this to figure out where it went wrong. The thing is, will we ever know where it went wrong? Will it ever come out? I doubt it, but you never know. I mean. Um, they 
you could end up just seeing a, a silent firing and then you might know but yeah it this is something that we will never fully know where it went wrong um it definitely went wrong and i think the the team get, did a good job afterwards of acknowledging that i mean armstrong and gutierrez both called um Meyer Crothers on Thursday, that was the day after their decision to cut him to apologize and all of that stuff. So they at least acknowledged and, and tried to apologize and all of that. Um, but yeah, it there's something that went horribly wrong from point A to point B and where that is and whether, you know, I've I've acknowledged a few different things that were kind of spinning around, whether it was just a miscommunication, whether it was, you know, some them just thinking they could that it really wasn't that big of a deal and taking the risk. I'm kind of going with the the side of there was a miscommunication in there and the fact that I don't think they really had their shit together. There was way too many changes all at once right before all of this happened. And I think they were looking at this more from a value perspective than from a, an actual scouting perspective. And it ended up biting them in the ass. And uh, one last thing, I think the last little piece that we want to touch on in regards to this before we, we move on and wrap up the show is something that I was asked because uh, I was a guest on the Hockey Minute podcast, which I believe is out now, if I'm not mistaken. I think I'll probably retweet it from my account at our floors 91 And they asked me, like, they asked me kind of about the fan base and how the fan base was feeling about this. And I was explaining that they were originally very pissed off. But once they decided to move on, I think everybody kind of was like, okay, good, we can – kind of move on from this whole thing and focus on other things. But they also asked me what I thought the Kairu should do to kind of rectify the situation. And I was like, well, it's a kind of a no brainer that they have to do some sort of outreach now, whether it be establishing some sort of a fund for, um, you know, for, uh, um, for mental health, something like that, whatever that may be, or for, um, African-American kids, something anti-bullying, anti-bullying. Exactly. Even if it's that simple, at least doing something like that will go is a nice gesture. Like for example, I retweeted earlier this week where the Seattle Kraken put out an entire release, an entire statement, entire story where they amplified the black girl hockey club and their campaign that they're calling get uncomfortable and is essentially saying we need to get uncomfortable and have these uncomfortable conversations about race in the hockey community and in sports and outside of sports. And the Seattle Kraken are the only NHL team, as far as I saw, that put something out in regards to that campaign. And I think they're going to put some money into that campaign or something like that. And I applaud them insanely because it's we know the hockey culture is broken and to have a team come out and do that, and they're not even in the NHL yet, was very, very impressive. And I want the Cowboys to do something similar to that. Yeah, and it would also be kind of cool, too, to see them do something uh, like team up with the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Because they had, they had spoken out, they had given a, um, 
like a release about everything when it was going on and how they how disappointed they were and everything. But then once the Coyotes had released him, they didn't really say anything after that. So it would it would be really cool to see the like the two of them team up for something and try and show this as a way of like unifying things because I still think there is some sort of like divisiveness in this and the fact that there will always be people that think that this is um a little too harsh or whatever to I don't I don't believe so but there will always be people that do and so maybe this could be a nice middle to kind of show everyone that uh, that we can all kind of come together and work towards the same goal of having you know basically this world be a better place like I think in the end no matter what like all this stuff is so much higher than just sports and just having everyone really come together to make everyone better people in the end I think is what's most important and that's you know not to just do a an anti-bullying campaign or something like that to um to basically just do it for like PR purposes or to make amends or anything like that I think really just anything that's more unifying because in the end, it, it all comes off very, you know, cancel culture where you just go attack, 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 and then you see someone paying the repercussions that should have been paid in, in the beginning. It was totally warranted in the situation. But I, it, I just, whatever they do, I hope it makes this negative situation into something positive and something that people can learn from and really just kind of embrace each other and be able to make I, I know I'm sounding like hippie, like kumbaya right now, but like make everyone um, understand each other a little bit better because it, I think the biggest problem is Mitchell Miller in this situation never understood that kid and never wanted to. He just wanted to feel bigger and better than him. And that if you force people to try and have empathy for others, that they will, you know, live better lives and not bully people. And um, I just, I would love to see them do something that kind of brings that spirit. All right. There you go. Sporty nation. That was 30 minutes of very deep conversation in the show. Again, so many tributaries. I think we hit on the majority of them there. Um, and I'm assuming this story is going to continue to, find its way into the headlines whether Mitchell Miller does indeed go to the KHL like we previously talked about hello hello hockey fans my name is Nick Berlansky host of the tip of the iceberg podcast here on the hockey podcast network my co-host Nick Horwat and I talk all things Pittsburgh Penguins from top news to game analysis and other unconventional hockey talk, we've got you covered. A team in the playoffs or in the play-in round won the first overall pick, and I wanted to throw my phone clear across this plane. Nope, nope, he will. Yeah, see, there's your he hot will. take, got it. We're That's in. my hot take. <laughs> he will be a Hockey Hall of Famer, if not possibly first ballot Hall of Famer. That was just awful officiating, and who who was this this scrub that was officiating? Let me let me look it up real quick. Mark Rashi, <laughs> something like that. Oh oh, Recky. I just I just wanted to see him booming it from blue line to blue line, being the lines. That's all I wanted to see. 
very few general managers have those type of players, let alone three players that you can easily say, if I don't trade them, my team will be better. So all I have to do is not make a move. And I get that's a foreign concept for Jim Rutherford, but you just don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. You don't do that. <laughs> New episodes every Monday. Tune in at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. And let's go Pens. Sporting Nation, if you listen to us a lot, you know that we are a podcast that still likes to have fun. So I don't really know how best to transition from a really deep, important story like th- like that story, the Isaiah Meyer Crothers story. But we're going to do our best to do it right now. It is time to wrap up the show with our segment, hashtag random shit. There's the music. The the music you love, Corey, is back. Richie, I mean, you can go from something really terrible and and sad to talk about into a party in like two seconds with that music. (laughs) Absolutely. It gets gets you in the mood. I have some good stories this week. From all... good. We don't want to end people's Monday off on, like, depressingness. Yeah, I have stories from all around the world, the United States, the UK, and China. So, when I say random shit from around the world, I mean it this week. Okay, let's go. Let's start in... Going global. Let's start in Washington. We begin in Washington where... Teenage boys exposed to pro-cannabis advertising in social media posts are more likely than female peers to associate marijuana use with improving sexual activity. New research from Washington State University suggests researchers found that the adolescent males expected cannabis users to be less inhibited and enjoy sex more, leading them to express an intention to use marijuana in the future. Adolescent girls and young women, however, were less swayed by future cannabis use by the messages and perceived links. Now, the reason why this is being talked about is because uh, around the country, there are a lot of ballot measures talking about the legalization of marijuana, including here in Arizona. It's Prop 207 here in Arizona, which is would legalize marijuana. And apparently, according to this, Corey, um, teen boys think that if you smoke weed, you'll be better in the sheets. Okay, let's just let's just point something out here. Do you know how many things get sold by, oh, if you do this, you'll be better in bed. If you do this, you'll be better in bed. Uh, you, you know, at some point, it's it's all on you, you know? There's a certain point where it's like uh, baseball players can can take steroids, but if they're not a good baseball player in the first place, it's not going to get them into the MLB, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I mean, I guess sex sells in basically everything. So um, in that regard, I guess. But if you're trying to get it to pass on the ballot, um, you would need to have two different marketing campaigns. You'd have to have that one for the men and then something else for the women. So um, I think they're missing half of the voters there. Let's begin. Let's move on to the UK now. I feel like you would relate to this story, Corey, because you grew up with a an older brother, and I, of course, relate to this story. Growing up with two sisters, 
The age-old debate of whether the toilet seat goes up or stays down rages in many households across the land, and many parents will recognize the struggles of having to clean up a messy toilet seat. One mom has been praised after revealing her plan to test her boy's claims that they left the seat. Her video on TikTok has gone viral. It's got almost 3, 000, or 3 million views. And this is what she, she did. She found out who really lifted the seat when revealing themselves with one simple test. She decided to tape a $20 bill underneath the seat and waited to see who found it first. Damn, $20 just for going pee. Uh-huh. That is the best tooth fairy ever. Um, I mean, I, I that was never really that big of an... Like, my brother would sometimes leave, like, the seat up occasionally, and, and that, that is always very scary as a female, like, because you go to sit down and you, like, almost fall in the toilet. So that's, that's always... Never fun. That's why you you always wonder, like, oh, why do they get mad? Because we almost fucking fall in. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it scares the shit out of you. But uh, I never really had that big of an issue with my brother, like, growing up at least. I'm very, like, I, I, like, I don't want to be, I'm very anal, like, about the fact that I just felt like saying that and then talking about a toilet just seemed weird. Um, but, um, about shutting, like, everything, like, the lid itself, because of, like, all of the gross water particles that are in the toilet that go all over your bathroom, and, you know, your toothbrush is often in there and stuff like that, so, like, I was very big on that, and I preached to him that a lot, so it didn't, I don't think that was ever a problem, but I, that would drive me insane. I don't know if I would give my child 20 bucks for it, maybe, like, five. <laughs> but, I mean, it's super clever. Here's what uh, here's what some commenters said. Um, one woman complained, "What? It's the opposite here. Boys be lifting it up and never putting it down." Another joked, "Your money is safer there than at the bank." Pure genius. A third warned, "The buried treasure never be found." <laughs> that's what see i don't get that i have i've experienced more of like leaving it up and not putting it down instead of like you know instead of leaving it down i feel like that takes a lot more aim and men are very lazy when they we're pay. bad absolutely yeah so my see my my both of my parents would always get on my case if i if I didn't put the toilet seat up, because I was I was guilty of that many times. Um, how how lazy can you be? You just lift it up. We have to lift the lid up in order to go pee. You you can be able to lift the the seat up to go pee. Men are lazy, Corey. We're very very fucking lazy, which is why we have urinals. It's which I that's I more houses should come with built-in urinals. It'd be genius. Well, here's the thing. As as women, we we have to sit down. Mm -hmm. You guys get to go and stand at a urinal. The, the worst thing that you have to do is do the awkward, like, standing next to each other with your dicks out. Like, I always feel like that would be super I hate it. I hate it. It's so stupid. That's the worst thing about urinals. I always, because I get very pee shy anyway. So like if there's some, but like here, here at, at my work, we have 
we have two st two stalls and then two urinals in our main bathroom. And if there's an, uh, somebody in one of the urinals, I always go into one of the stalls because I give, I have the, it's a very, uh, some courtesy spacing in, in my opinion. Like you should never go up to and stand uh, right next to someone. Yeah. That's, that's like one of the unwritten rules in my opinion of men's bathrooms is you never pee directly next to somebody. Even if you're like buddies or you're related. No, you don't do it. It's disgusting. Stop it. I feel like people do it just to be uncomfortable. Like they do it on purpose. Yeah, yeah, and that that freaks me out because I don't like it at all. As a as a like I said, as a shy peer, I don't like it at all. But I mean, and in the end, though, like all all of that aside, it's still like such an easier life. Like you can pee out in the woods. Mm -hmm. Doesn't fucking matter. This is like, true. It, try peeing while doing essentially a wall sit. <laughs> that's essentially what women have to do so you know next time you're standing and peeing thinking about having to do a wall sit and with that we'll move on to our final story <laughs> from China where researchers at the Southwest University in China have reported that the pitch of a male voice may be used to predict infidelity intention the study saw 261 male and female participants with an average age of around 20 record their voices and report on how they felt about fidelity and commitment. The report published in the journal Personality and Individual Differences divided men up according to their so-called masculine or feminine voices. Researchers wrote that it was not possible to definitively state a reason for the disparity, but suggested testosterone could be a key factor. Okay, wait, wait, so uh, where's the punchline here? Was it the men with the higher voices that... Oh, I forgot to read that part. But a new scientific study has found that deep-voiced men are more likely to be unfaithful than their partners. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, you left out the punchline there. Um, oh, see, I was initially, when I was hearing it thinking that it was going to be the one with the higher pitch voice that were going to be unfaithful because they were like compensating for something. But then when you're saying the whole testosterone thing with the deeper voices, I could see that. Like, I, th I think in the situation too, like there's two ways, like one, them having testosterone, they've, they feel this need to like get it out. Um, and two, it's there's the effect of like, um, you know, more attractive men usually are more unfaithful. Like, and so the deeper voice men probably think their voice is sexier, so then they think they can get more women. It's like a confidence thing as well, so they can just kind of like go out and do what they want. I guess is what they think. But yeah, I. Um, don't think it really fucking matters as someone who i feel like my voice isn't that deep i feel like i have on the scale of things my voice is on the higher pitch side ergo i my voice has been compared to kermit before i, I feel i feel very safe about this which means people who hear my voice think i'd be less likely to cheat which is good don't do that that's awful um all right let's uh that's all the stories i got
Anything anything else? Should I keep the music going? Should I end the music before we go? I like I like the music. And I would like to say your your voice is probably right in the middle in the middle. I mean, uh, it's funny because until I got into college, I always thought that like I had a deeper voice for a female. Like it always like reached me out a little bit. I mean there are there are girls that I have known. I literally have these type of voices, so like I'm glad that I don't. But like, um, it wasn't until I got to college and there were like your stand-ups need to have deeper voice to them that I realized that like, um, you know, uh, TV and radio and all that stuff um, doesn't lend well to high-pitched voices. No, it doesn't. No, just think of all the great like iconic anchormen or radio voices they all have that very deep very important breaking news walter cronkite type voice which i don't i don't have i'm glad my voice sticks out on the radio which i love somebody commented on on that today on my twitter feed i sent it to you and they said i sounded like a a toddler or something like that and i was like all right i can dig it yeah, that man belongs in the douche canoe. One hundred percent. He was pissed at me because I didn't want fans to be at Cardinals games. Because God forbid we have fans at sports because it's a getaway from the ever-increasing COVID numbers in Arizona. Well, we had almost two thousand cases again reported on on Saturday. But yet, it's okay to play sports with five thousand people in attendance. That's a great fucking idea. Richie, some things will never change. Some people will never change. And that man was one of them. Um, I, I do want to make a commentary very quickly, though. Um, if I, I just say I can't remember his name, but he is a commentator for football. And his voice is the lowest thing I've ever heard in my life. And it literally makes me laugh so hard. I'm trying to think. Are you talking about Chris Collinsworth? No, I like NBC broadcaster? Is he on Fox or CBS? Oh my gosh. Uh, He's on the the nights. Like, sometimes on some of the nights football. Oh. I think he may have used to be a player. Ronnie Harrison? Nope. Uh, Tony Dungy? No. I don't know who else is on the Sunday night broadcast other than I'm missing somebody. I don't know who. Wow, I'm gonna have to um I may have to figure this out off the podcast mm-hmm. and, and maybe tell everyone later. I I don't know why I can't remember his name. Yeah, y'all we'll figure it out. I mean hell, it's fucking eleven o'clock already. Sporty after dark is coming to a wrap up. We hope you enjoyed the conversation on the show today. Went very deep, obviously, into the the news of the week. Hopefully, we made you laugh at the end there. We learned about um, squatting while you pee, which, again, women are truly incredible people. I, they are the they women. You, Corey, are the backbone of the entire society of our life. Thank I will, you. I would like to I would like to point that out just for the record cuz some people don't understand that. 
Uh, anyway, anything, any last words before we go? Yeah, no, if I could have you end every show that way, it would be magical. So I'm going to not ruin it. Cool. All right. Well, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all that jazzification and whatnot. We'll talk to you again next week on the Hockey Podcast Network, Sporting Nation. For Corey, I have been Richie. Until next time, good night and good hockey. Let's send the, let's send the Sporting Nation out with some, some music. <laughs>